Influence is very simple. You have to understand what the other person wants. You have to know what you want. And then you have to figure out how can I connect the dots? How can I help the other person get what they want while simultaneously getting what I want? Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. My name is Jason Mark Campbell. So excited about the conversation we're going to be having today about impact and influence. Those are two major topics that I think are so relevant for people that especially want to be superhumans at work and pretty much every area of your life. And the guest that I have to share more insights with us is Owen Fitzpatrick. Now, he is a speaker, trainer, author, coach, consultant, and is a globetrotting psychologist, international best-selling author, and one of the most sought-after thought leaders in the area of leadership and influence. Now, he's the founder and CEO of Owen Fitzpatrick International and Owen Fitzpatrick LLC. He has spoken in over 30 countries and has actually traveled to more than 100 of these countries. He has shared the stage with some of the names you might have heard of, such as Sir Richard Branson, Seth Godin, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Dr. Richard Brandler, the co-creator of NLP. He has written multiple books, including The Charismatic Edge, Not Enough Hours, as well as co-authoring Conversations with Richard Branson, Ultimate Introduction to NLP, and How to Take Charge of your life. He's the host of Changing Minds with Owen Fitzpatrick podcast, and it's all about thinking for a change. Now, we're going to go deeper into the conversation about how to have more impact and influence in the process. Owen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. Pleasure to be here. Now, Owen, we're going to talk about impact influence. I wanted to, maybe before we get into that conversation, I'd love to know and kind of put a container around this. Like when we talk about impact, when we talk about influence, how do you define that so we can have a clarity as to what we're going to talk about here today? So that's a great question to start with, Jason, because I think it's important to contextualize everything clearly. So for me, when I think of influence, it's making an impact on someone's thoughts, beliefs, emotions, decisions, or behavior. And it really is something that we tend to do all the time. So a lot of people try to have more influence, but what they don't realize is they're already having lots of influence. It's just they're not doing it in the right direction. So they're not influencing people to do the kinds of things that they want, or they're not influencing people in a useful way. And so what I try to help people to understand is influence isn't a set of techniques that you just use on people. And so people will sometimes come up to me and say, Owen, oh, I need you to tell me some of your like Jedi mind tricks where you can make people do stuff. Because that's not what influence is about. If you're asking to try to figure out how can I use this to influence someone else, it's the wrong question. To me, influence is very simple. You have to understand what the other person wants. You have to know what you want. And then you have to figure out how can I connect the dots? How can I help the other person get what they want while simultaneously getting what I want? And really, to me, that's the principle of influence, ethical influence, strategic influence, whatever you want to call it. But I think a lot of people miss that first step. They just think about it as, oh, how can I convince other people in that way? So I like to start by thinking through and looking at influence from that filter. And then that also informs how we influence or impact ourselves. We impact our own decisions, feelings, behaviors, beliefs, whatnot. And so really when we begin from there, then it's much easier for us to be able to learn to change what we're doing because we recognize we're already doing it. And when you recognize you're already doing it, then you got choices. 
I really love that definition, especially with the fact that it considers the needs of the other as well. And I kind of maybe wanted to expand on that. Have you noticed that a lot of us, by default, we might be just thinking of our own needs in the process of influencing? And I'd be curious to know, one, what happens if you decide not to take into consideration the needs of the other? I feel like it would naturally lose effectiveness anyway, but have you seen some data to back this up? There's an awful lot of research out there to do with, for example, the difference between competitive negotiations versus cooperative, sometimes called distributive versus integrative negotiations. And what you'll notice is, is that what's in it for me and me focusing on me, that might work sometimes in the short term. But we don't live in a world any longer where you get away with it, where you work with your client once and then you never see them again. At least most industries are not like that. And so therefore, most industries are about the relationship you build with the people that you sell to or your business relationships, whether it's B2C or B2B. And so in order for you to be able to master that and master the relationships you have with people, well, what you need to be able to do is make it so that they're really happy, not just before the sale, not just during the sale, but after the sale. You want that person that you've just sold to, for example, to go back and to be able to defend their purchase against their friends who say, oh, you got that one. Oh, you should have gone to this store or you. Oh, I can't believe you bought that. So you want them to be very much someone who believes in what they've just done, very happy with their product, very happy with their purchase, very happy with their decision. And in order to do that, it means you have to be looking out for your customer, trying to help them connect whatever it is that you're offering them with what is it that they want. And what they want isn't always something tangible. As you know, Jason, it's sometimes it's a feeling. And so often people forget that they tend to go, how can I get the sale as opposed to how can I make the customer happy? And when you focus on making the customer happy, and you focus on solving the customer's problem. And again, this is like sales one-on-one, but it's something that people tend to forget. But when you focus on solving the problem, you focus on solving their other problems and focus on making them happy, then you build a relationship and then they keep coming back to you. And they sometimes will buy more. They'll refer you on to other people. There's a lot of positive things that will come as a result of that. I love that. We've defined this whole impact and influence, and we've talked about the limitations that happen if you're more in a confrontational, looking for your own needs, not considering the other one. But, you know, before we go into some of the problems that I know our audience that we have listening in live have already mentioned that they have when it comes to expanding their influence and their impact, I'd be curious to know, what is the result of someone that truly masters this skill? Why would we find that this is an important thing to actually focus on as opposed to any other skill out there? Well, I mean, look, if you look at the most successful people on the planet, one of the things that you'll notice they all have in common is that they have this skill down. The ability to impact the way another person feels, the ability to impact the way another person makes decisions, the ability to impact another person's behavior. I mean, that's the most important skill that there is, in my opinion, because if you have the ability to impact how someone feels, what they decide, what they do, then you create movements, you transform, you change the world. A lot of people put influence in the category of sales. Well, if you decide to take the category of sales and say that every time you influence someone you're selling to them, then that's fine. But there's so much more to influence. Influence is truly something that can radically transform your life because it's something that continuously we are impacted by. If you think about it, we talk about influencers and influencers might influence you in social media to be able to buy certain products or whatnot, or you watch them and you follow them. But influence itself is something that the most successful business people, the most successful politicians, the most successful leaders of all time, the most successful philosophers of all time have mastered. Because once you're able to convince people of a certain idea, you can totally transform the world. And we've seen it in the dark side, we've seen horrendous people master influence and do disgusting things to people throughout history. 
And we've also seen the flip side. We've seen wonderful human beings master influence and bring about change. And we still see that today. We see a lot of powerful movements for positive change happening, but it's largely as a result of a number of individuals that have really mastered the art of influence. And so what we need to do is we need to learn it for ourselves so we can have individual control and we can start to make a difference every single one of us, as opposed to waiting for these wonderful figures to come along and inspire. We need to take responsibility for ourselves because when we do, it can change our life as well. I absolutely love it and definitely agree to that statement. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm also working on a book, which is all about selling with love. And we're cut from the same cloth, though. And so I absolutely love this message. I wanted to go into a bit more of the technical here. So we have our live studio members here that are tuning in on Zoom where we do these conversations. Of course, if you're listening to this on the podcast, know that if you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you can be part of this live audience too. And we were trying to get an assessment. Like most people, when they talk about impact and influence, we're rating themselves between a four and a six is what I was noticing. And I've been seeing a lot of people talking about blocks around on low confidence, wisdom, on influence or being fear of manipulation, not having enough experience. And I wanted to go to that. If we recognize impact and influence being such a powerful tool to move forward the values and the message and the causes that we want to bring forward and make more sales for the business that we're growing, what do you think are the biggest blocks that have been holding people back from you know being a 10 out of 10 when it comes to the way we influence and the way we impact? The attitude that you have towards influence, you know, some people feel guilty about influence for some of the reasons that people have mentioned. They're worried they're manipulating people or they have these negative perceptions of salespeople or negative perceptions of people who are very forceful with their attitude. And so there's a misunderstanding, I think, of influence because it's conflated with manipulation. And so to me, it's important to distinguish the difference. And the first difference between influence and manipulation is influence is all about helping the other person get what they want, as I've said already. Whereas manipulation doesn't care about what anyone wants. Manipulation is purely, how can I get Jason to do this? How can I get him to do what I want? I don't care about Jason. I just want to get him to do that. That's the first difference. And then the second difference is manipulation is the use of deception. So there's tactics in sales like the low ball tactic or the bait and switch. It's all this, how you trick people into doing what it is that you want into doing your bidding. And that's, again, another flag of manipulation, whereas influence is always about, you know, it's being open, it's about being honest, and it's about focusing on what the other person wants as well as what you want and finding that common ground and connecting with them in that way. It's not about you always being right. It's about you finding ways that both of you can move forward. So that should overcome that particular obstacle. And then, as you mentioned it, Jason, a big part is confidence. The feeling like, I don't know if I can communicate that. One of the things that makes a person persuasive or makes a person good at influence is their confidence. If they feel confident about the topic, that really impacts other people's perception. Now, it shouldn't because what invariably happens is some people that don't have all the answers and aren't necessarily trustworthy, their confidence can override their lack of knowledge and therefore they can actually convince people of things that are dangerous. And we've seen plenty of examples of that. Confidence is very powerful. But there's two reasons for that. The first reason why confidence is powerful is in psychology, there's a concept known as state contagion. And this basically means that whatever one person feels, that can be contagious to others. So other people will tend to feel the same feeling. So if I feel very passionate, then the people listening to me are more likely to feel passionate. And so my feelings tend to affect your feelings. So when someone's super confident, you start to feel confident in them while you're listening to them. 
And the second reason that confidence works is because we create biases in our head. And whenever someone speaks with confidence, we have this shortcut in our brain that goes, oh, they seem to know what they're talking about. So they probably do. And we don't do this consciously. It happens very, very quick. But for those two reasons, confidence can be very powerful. And so what happens is many people sabotage themselves by talking themselves out of things. They criticize themselves. They second guess themselves. They have this thing which we talk about, the, the imposter syndrome, which is feeling you're going to be found out at any moment and you're not really as good as you think you are or as good as people think you are. And one minute they're going to find this out. And so all of this is about you influencing yourself. So little do you know that in you saying to yourself, I can't influence anyone, you're actually mastering the art of influencing yourself to believe that you can't influence anybody. So once you realize that, it's actually a very, very powerful insight that can change things. And then the third thing is not understanding how influence works, not recognizing that influence is not about logically giving people six million reasons as to why you're right and they're wrong, which is most people's modus operandi, that's what they do. They go, let me tell you, Jason, here's the 16 reasons why you should listen to me. Instead, it's much more about being able to understand the dynamics of the emotion, understanding how impactful the source of the message is, understanding the medium itself, even understanding the neurochemistry of what's going on in the other person's mind, understanding where they're coming from, listening to the language they use. There's all of these different factors that we need to learn about if we're to truly master influence. But once we do, it's a game changer. It changes the way in which we interact. It allows us to get so many. I've seen people learn about this, not only win at negotiations, but get better jobs, set up businesses, attract so many more customers. It's huge. And again, it simply requires those three things. It means that we need to not feel guilty. So we need to change our attitude towards it. We need to be able to build the confidence to be able to go for it. And then the third thing is we need to build the competence or the skill set that enables us to be able to get the kind of result that we want. First off, I just want to acknowledge how awesome your communication skills are and how you did that recap at the end, because most people I interview don't have that natural way of communicating, which can already be showing that you have so much experience in communication because you just recap the ideas at the end. And I think that's really powerful. One thing I didn't mention in the intro is actually one of your books, which is The Charismatic Edge. And I wanted to kind of go towards this. You know, you talk about the confidence and the tools to be able to be more impactful and to have better influence. What does the role of charisma play into nurturing that confidence and to have the better skills in communication? Great question, Jason. So for me, the way I think about charisma is that charisma, and I did a lot of research. I did my master's thesis in psychology about charisma. And again, everything that I study, it's stuff that I wasn't good naturally at. So I had to learn to build this, you know, I had to learn to practice it because I really wanted it. And so charisma is about two things. It's about authenticity and expressivity. And the authenticity is the inside piece. So the inside piece means getting to the point where you feel comfortable to be yourself, letting people see the real you. And the more you let people see the real you, the more they see a unique differentiating person, a real human being that's separate, that's more noticeable, that gets more attention, that's more interesting than everybody else. And the second part is expressing that, being a little bit more dramatic in the way in which you express things so that you're not, you know, it's great to be fully yourself. But if you're not communicating with any sort of expressiveness, then you're not going to be as interesting. So both parts of charisma are necessary, the inside, the outside, the beliefs and emotional states, which is what allows you to be authentic. And then on the flip side, the behaviors and the skills, which is all about expressivity.
Hey, everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mind Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions. And at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mind Valley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mind Valley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mind Valley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash S-U-P-E-R-H-U-M-A-N. And so to me, charisma itself is something that enables you to automatically have a lot of influence. It's not always necessary for influence, but it's definitely a huge advantage because when you're very authentic and when you're very expressive, you're naturally going to get a lot more engagement and interest and attention, and you're naturally going to be more credible than the average person. And then from there on in, you're more likely to get your message across very powerfully. What a lot of people tend to do is they have this belief about charisma that says some people are charismatic and other people aren't. But my response to that is babies are naturally charismatic. You'll never walk into a room and see a boring toddler. You'll never point to the two-year-old going, oh my God, they're such a boring two-year-old. They're naturally authentic. They're naturally full of passion. They're just being themselves 100%. They're super expressive. Children, by their very nature, we are charismatic. And the problem is somewhere along the line, we get the fears of rejection, the fears of failure, the fears of embarrassment, the fears of judgment. And we walk around going, oh, what will people think? Oh, what if I fail? Oh, what if I get rejected? Oh, what this, what that? When babies learn to walk, they're not worried about whether or not they're going to fail. They don't, you know, fall down three times and say, well, I guess I tried walking. I guess I'm not going to be a walker. But as adults, we tend to do that. We try something once, try to play the guitar, we try to sing and we go, oh, I can't do it. Because again, as adults, we're afraid of all of these things. We're afraid of failing and rejection. And what we need to recognize is that becoming more charismatic is about being able to overcome these fears so we can let our natural childhood authenticity creep out. We can let people see the real us. As Brené Brown would say, we can show our vulnerability. We can be okay with our imperfections and we can express that real self to the world. And by doing so, that's when we get people's attention. That's when people want to listen to us. That's when people are intrigued by us. And when they're intrigued by us, then obviously we're going to make more of an impact on them. And then we can help them to be able to make the changes that we need them to make. And to me, I've seen it so many times when people start to really work on themselves, it really changes everything because you start from yourself and then it starts to form out. And sometimes you don't even notice, but your communication is more on point, is making more of an impact, and you're generally impacting the way in which people feel around you. And all it seems like you're doing is working on yourself. So to me, charisma is something which, by helping people be more authentic and expressing that authenticity, is something that by the very nature of how it works, allows you to be more influential and make more of an impact in the way you do things. I love this. I'm feeling inspired just listening to you here, Owen. And I'm the sales guy. At Mind Valley, they all call me the sales guy. And I'd say my first years there, 
it was very much me. Maybe I had a natural or I developed the skills when it comes to the techniques of communication, which made me be someone that I could be boastful. I could be confident in the way that I speak as I knew the language triggers. And it was only maybe a few years in that I took a step back and I kind of had a humbling moment. And then I just started working on myself as you spoke about. It was interesting because the sales became more effortless. My communication didn't require me to be so conscious or at least very much trying to communicate with intention. It almost just just a state of being after I was working with myself. And then whatever it is that I wanted to bring impact and influence would just naturally get a lot more people engaged, excited, wanting to move along. And it came from a lot of that self-work. So what you're speaking about right now, I totally resonate. I've seen this happen in myself. And what I wanted to do is leave people with some powerful action here. So you know, we talked about the blocks that could hold us back from communicating really well. The first one talking about the guilt around the sales and the manipulation. And it's just a mindset shift of seeing how influence actually can start with a really great intention of wanting to care for the other's needs and your own needs, and that you can find the dots in between to be able to bring it to a mutual answer. That works with some of those blocks. When it comes to people wanting to nurture the actual skills and language tools, well, I'll advise everyone listening in, definitely pick up a copy of The Charismatic Edge, The Art of Captivating and Compelling Communications, an everyday guide to developing your own charisma and compelling communication skills. This is Owen's book. You definitely want to grab a copy to get more into the technical skills. And of course, you can do a lot of your research on what are the skills that maximize your charisma as well. I wanted to give something for people that could walk away with and is that centerpiece. You talked about the confidence, right? And for those who are rating themselves, let's say, you know, a four to a six or an eight even, do you typically have something you can recommend for people to increase their confidence so they can be more impactful and be more influential? Maybe just move that number by one. What could be something people could do today listening to this? Sure. There's tons of stuff, Jason. So let me give you more than one just because I want to try to provide as much value as possible. So first of all, the way I like to look at this is really, again, coming back to influence and it's how we influence ourselves. And so if you think about the way in which we work, a lot of times we talk about the inner voice, right? Or self-talk and people talk about even an internal dialogue where we're talking to ourselves. Well, I believe that we have an internal multi-log. In other words, I believe that there's a group of voices that work. I know people are going to just Stay with me here. We have a number of voices that tend to form almost like governments of different emotions. So let's say, for example, you feel that something's knocked you off your perch and you're doubting yourself. Then what happens is you get into this negative state and all of a sudden your inner voice is full of this. Well, maybe you won't be able to do that. I'm not sure if this is going to work out. Remember this. And it reminds you of all the times that you messed up and all the times that you failed and all the times that things didn't work out the way they did. And so a large part of it is to be able to recognize that you can vote for a new voice. And what I mean by voting for a new voice is to recognize that when you're in that mode, when you're feeling sorry for yourself, when you're feeling unsure, when you're feeling uncertain, when you're feeling scared, when you're feeling down on yourself, then you're allowing the critical voices to really attack you consistently. And what you need to recognize is, number one, what are the things I can do to stop doing that? And so I'm going to share a few strategies on that. But then it's what can I then do to start to activate the better voices? So to me, it's always a two-step process. You've got to deal with the voices that are there. It's not about just building the confidence. It's about figuring out what's damaging the confidence in the first place. And then it's about building new voices or allowing the empowered voices inside of you what I call the boss voice 
or the gangster voice or the strong voice, the best voice, your inspiring voice, your motivational speaking voice, that voice, bringing that to the table and allowing that to be the one to talk to you. So let's talk about some techniques around changing the inner voice. So you say, for example, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I'll make any impact. I'll probably be terrible at public speaking. I'm just not like this. Now, many of you are studying with Mind Valleys, which means that you're learning a massive amount about yourself and you're developing yourself really well, which is already part of the project. But what's really important, whether you're listening to this podcast or studying it, is that you know about the growth mindset. And the growth mindset is about making sure that you realize you can improve, you can grow, you can get better. So every time you label yourself and you say, oh, I am this person, you need to recognize that that's an error. It's a thinking error because you're never one person. So you expand your identity and you recognize that when a voice says you're not that kind of person, the voice doesn't know. Your voices don't always tell the truth. They just speak. And so when you realize that, then here's the way you deal with it. First, you can distance yourself and you can start to ask yourself, what is it that I'm saying to myself right now? Or what is the voice saying right now? And when you talk about the voice, then immediately you get one step far away from it. And now all of a sudden, it's like you're observing this voice speaking to you. So it's a little bit like you have this angel or devil on your shoulder that's saying these things to you. When you look at it from that point of view, it totally transforms the way you interpret whatever the negative suggestion is. So if I say to myself, oh my God, you're so useless, Owen, that's pretty powerful. So is I'm so useless. But if I go, what is my voice saying to me? Well, this voice is telling Owen that he's so useless. This distancing now changes the way I think about it. And I'm no longer as tied to that negative statement or that negative suggestion anymore. I'm like watching this attempted hypnotist trying to hypnotize me into this trance where I believe I'm rubbish, that I'm not good enough. And when I see that happening, all of a sudden, I'm no longer likely to get caught into that or personalize it, or allow it to brainwash me in the way it used to. So one technique straight away is distancing. Figure out what's the stuff you say to yourself, and then ask yourself, if I was stepping aside from that and I was watching that happening, how would I describe it? And describe it like that. When you do it like that and you keep describing it in the third person, it will change the way in which you feel. Second really cool strategy you can use is work on the tone of voice. In Ireland, we talk about taking the piss, or sometimes it's called taking the mickey, or joking around, or messing, right? And so we might impersonate each other. So a friend of ours might say, you really should do this. And we'll go, you really should do this. And we'll do that kind of thing. And what happens is you make a joke of it. And when you make a joke of it, you don't take it seriously. So what you can do with your internal dialogue is if you find that you're talking to yourself in a negative way, or you're saying, I'm not sure I can do this. If you actually impersonate yourself in that way and you go, I'm not sure I can do this. Oh my God, this is too scary. Oh, I'll do it. I'm going to fail. Oh, no, no, no. And you joke jokingly, have fun with yourself on it. All of a sudden it creates this association in the brain where you no longer take it seriously. And your brain is no longer thinking, I'm not going to be able to. Now it's going, I'm not going to be able to do this. So you're no longer feeling the same way. And if you just use this, lots more, but if you just use those two strategies, if you distance yourself and then you change the tone of your voice, I'm telling you, it changes the way you feel about the way you're talking to yourself. So you're no longer as likely to buy into the same old doubt over and over and over again. And then you bring in the boss voice. And the boss voice is, you know a time where you've been in a situation where you've killed it, where you've been on fire, where you've been performing better than you ever have been. I know you all have that time and it might be at anything, but there's something that you do better than anything else in the world or probably something you do better than almost anyone else you know. And I know when you're thinking about that or when you're talking about that, you know that word that you say or that term that you say, maybe it's something like, I've got this. 
And that tone of voice, that's your boss voice. And when you feel confident, when you're at your best, when you're feeling stronger than ever, when you're feeling empowered, that boss voice comes in. And so the key is what you then want to do is you want to start to decide, how are you going to talk to yourself? What kind of pep talk are you going to give yourself? And so then you start to decide, what are the kinds of statements I'm going to say to myself? If I was hypnotizing myself, what are the suggestions I would give myself? And then you give them to yourself, but you don't just go, every day in every way, I'm feeling better and better. Because that's just you saying good mantras, but in a kind of a like hopeful way. No, you want your boss voice. You want to say, every single day in every single way, I'm getting better and better. And I'm getting handsomer. And I'm getting smarter. And I'm going to kill it. I'm going to do the best job ever. And I'm going to succeed in this. And if I don't, I'm going to learn. And I'm going to get back. And I'm going to do it better next time. Now, that boss voice is so powerful and so strong that by you using that and practicing with that, before you know it, you empower yourself brilliantly. So the second technique then is with that boss voice, then you can start to look for evidence and start to practice writing in a journal. What are examples where you overcame the odds? Examples where you succeeded? Examples where you won? Examples where you showed how great you are? And you create lots of those examples. So your brain starts to scan for all the times you succeeded as opposed to the way the old voice used to, which is look at all these times you didn't. So instead, you're training your brain to go, not this, but this, not that, but this. And you're bringing yourself around from where you were going, which is all of this negative stuff. And by distancing yourself, by impersonating and mocking and making it ridiculous, and then by choosing the boss voice, saying positive suggestions to yourself, and then pointing out all the great experiences where you show just how amazing you were, by doing that, it can be so powerful. It's something I've done a lot for myself. And a lot of the people that I work with have found massive benefits from that as well. So again, I hope this makes sense. I know I got a bit too excited there. As I said, I love this sort of stuff. Owen Fitzpatrick, thank you so much for giving us such an actionable plan for us to take from this podcast. This was immensely powerful. I know everybody who's listening in live are loving it. I know for those of you listening to the podcast also are getting a massive amount of value from this. And as a recap, you know, we started by putting a box around impact and influence, knowing that it's about understanding what is the needs of the other person and your own and building the bridge, connecting the dots to understand that getting the influence and the impact to happen comes from understanding these two needs. It's not as effective if you are focused on yourself and is very short-term minded. Owen gave a lot of examples of what does it look like when you work with the other person with those needs and you realize you can move the needle more and it moves it to a better place. We went across what were the big blocks that hold people back when it comes to maximizing their influence and their impact. We talked about how A lot of people have the guilt and the limitations. And with the first definition we gave of impact and influence, you should realize that this is a powerful tool that allows you to make the changes you want to see in the world. We talked about this aspect of confidence building and how this is contagious and really helps people move with your own emotions. The emotions that you have, your passion becomes contagious, as Owen was saying. And these last exercise we just went over is about mocking this voice, making it so that it's detached in a third person and really using that boss voice that he speaks about allows you to step in with that confidence when Whenever you are in these communication instances. And then the final point being that when you actually have better tools in your arsenal on how to be more charismatic, how to communicate better, this allows you to be even more effective when it comes to maximizing your impact and influence. There's so many more questions I know we're going to discuss with the tribe, but what I would encourage all of you listeners on the podcast right now is pick up a copy of The Charismatic Edge. We will have a link in the show notes. And of course, go and follow Owen as well. He does a ton of amazing things on his podcast, on his social media platforms. All the relevant links will be in the show notes. So definitely check that out. Owen, 
Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing all this amazing insight. It was a pleasure to have you. And for all of you who are listening, I hope you're motivated, fired up, and ready to take massive action for today. This was an incredible episode. Thanks so much, Jason. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.